Hello, welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. I'm Dr. Ishan, a clinical psychologist and sleep expert. If you know mental health, you possibly heard of psychotherapy, and a lot of people think psychotherapy is a long journey. You have to see the therapist many, many, many times, even for years. But do you know that there's a long waiting list right now in a lot of mental health facilities? It's really difficult for a lot of people to get access to the care they really need, no matter it's a shortage of psychotherapists or it's financial difficulties. So there is a trend in order to shorten this gap. So what can we do as clinicians? So there are research team out there. They're really looking into this short-term psychotherapy model, especially single therapy session. How powerful it can be, and how can that help you, and how can that bridge the gap between this access to care versus to really get something out of the session and get better. So today. Our guest, Dr. Jessica Schleder, she and her team has worked on this topic for more than five years. She's gonna share with us all this research results behind this evidence-based single-session therapy model and how important that is and why it can help us. So let's introduce Dr. Schleder a little bit. She is assistant professor of psychology at Stony Brook University, and she directs the lab for scalable mental health. So, Dr. Schleder completed her PhD in clinical psychology at Harvard University. Her doctoral internship in clinical and community psychology in clinical and community psychology at Yale School of Medicine. So she has researched on this topic of brief, scalable interventions for youth depression and anxiety, and she has received a lot of awards about this research, including National Institute of Health Directors Early Independence Award, the Association for Behavioral and Cognitive Therapies President's New Research Award, and Forbes. Thirty under thirty in healthcare. So this is gonna be a great conversation and hopefully inspiring to you. So let's welcome Dr. Schleider. Hello, Dr. Schleider. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. I'm very excited and look forward to your new book to be published very soon. Can you tell me,、uh, tell us a little bit about the new book? Of course.、Uh, so the book is called "Little Treatments, Big Effects," and it's coming out, as you said, on January 30th. Available everywhere books are sold, and it is focused on how brief interventions, and in some cases, even one session. Of support, if properly targeted, can make a difference in people's mental health. The premise of the book is something I came to after 
training as a clinical psychologist and being uh, the person who is delivering therapy in a system that is just not designed for everybody. <laughs> it's in many ways, mental health care systems fall short of meeting everybody's needs. There are therapist shortages. It's too expensive. Insurance coverage is unreliable. Folks, once they get into treatment, can't always complete a full course of therapy. So I started researching as a graduate student, what can you do in one session of therapy or one session of self-guided support that can actually make a difference knowing that a lot of people will only get to access that one session of support. And that's where the book comes from. It describes how uh, we've learned uh, that single sessions can make lasting change. What we've uh, studied in my research lab, the Lab for Scalable Mental Health, to support that idea. And how people, real people who've been through mental health recovery, have found their own turning points. So little moments that had big impacts uh, in their own pathways to, to recovery and coping. Wow. And I hope it's helpful for people, but uh, it's a summary of everything I've learned uh, to date. And I, I hope it can be helpful uh, for expanding access to care, really, and opportunities for people to heal a little bit more efficiently. Definitely. That sounds very powerful because we know psychotherapy can be a long journey, right? Mm -hmm. And people come in to talk every week. I even have some clients, they're so severe, they want to come in every, uh, every week, like two times or even three times. That's very hard to, for them to manage financially and have to spend time. And it's also hard for the clinician to provide that, uh, especially when our caseload are so full right now. So I think if a single session or a brief therapy need to be very effective, then that need to be very powerful. Um, it's not easy. Absolutely. It's, it's not at all. And, you know, the reality is some people probably will need more intensive treatments, like coming in once a week or coming in even more than once a week. But that's in contrast with the reality that even folks who want that kind of intensive support probably won't be able to access it. So there have to be alternatives for folks who would otherwise not be able to get any care at all. Uh, and also for people who are seeking out care, but are faced with months long waiting lists for treatment and can't get anything at the point of need. Also for people who are just seeking support online, for example, a lot of the single session interventions we've studied are digital self-guided programs that can be delivered anywhere to anybody. Uh, so they, I think single sessions are really in a really cool position to fill gaps in mental health care systems that traditional psychotherapies really weren't built to. They were never supposed to fill those gaps. Right, right. That's a very important point, uh, how to expand the access, right? Exactly. And, yeah, and there are so many specialty areas within psychotherapy also. I know a lot of therapists know how to treat depression, anxiety. But for example, for myself, I also treat like sleep disorders. I know mm -hmm. how long the waiting list could be. For example, in our local sleep center, like in Stanford, they told me their waiting list is one year long for people with yeah. insomnia. <laughs> how can they wait for one year, right? And, uh, but some of those kind of treatments, like for insomnia, use like CBT for insomnia, those kind of uh, evidence-based treatment, it's it's short already. It's like several sessions long. Um, but I definitely, even myself, witnessed 
just one session, a lot of people's symptom can just reduce a lot.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, so、yes. that's amazing. Absolutely, and I think the expectation that's set in most kinds of psychotherapy is that change is going to happen over a long period of time, and you don't need to expect anything to happen after one session. But what single session approaches are really good at doing is setting the ground and, and laying the expectation at the start that change actually is possible at any moment. Solution-focused brief therapy already takes that kind of approach. Focusing on the here and the now and how change can happen at any point. Single sessions just make it explicit. You know, this might be the only time we get to meet. So, what can we do today to make this matter as much as possible? And how can we make sure that after this session, you feel a little bit more capable and confident to take a step towards a future that matters、uh, or decreasing some kind of suffering that you're going through? And that expectation setting can be really powerful. And it allows the patient to actually believe, "Wow, maybe something can happen during this one session," which facilitates more engagements and more focused effort during that session, which ends up leading to effective change, which is really cool to see. Yeah! Wow! I think you mentioned something really important through this single session.、Uh, clients carry away with some hope. Yes. Right. And it's very it sounds like very empowering. They feel like I am capable of doing、mm-hmm. something. There's、mm-hmm. little bit things I can control, or、Precisely. some of them I don't know. Maybe even walk away with some strategies,、um, small things they can try. So they feel a little bit powerful. I'm equipped. I have something. Absolutely, and one of the single session interventions that my lab has been developed and is testing and implementing in a variety of different contexts, but mostly for people stuck on long waiting lists, is called the single session consultation, and it helps people identify a top hope, as in, what do you hope is different by the time we finish this session from the time we started it,、mm-hmm. and helps them craft an action plan for taking. Three very small but still detectable steps towards making that hope a little bit more real.、Um, so nothing big like I'm going to exercise every day for a month. Like that's not realistic. That's not going to change from before to after the session. But making a plan to exercise for five minutes this afternoon—that I can do. <laughs> so helping people feel like there are always a, things they can do to take a step forward, regardless of where, what their baseline is or where they're starting from. That hope is such an important mechanism of change in any kind of psychotherapy for any problem.、Um, so I've seen people、uh, as a supervisor for folks delivering the single session consultation come into that session struggling with insomnia and sleep difficulties, and using that action plan as an opportunity to map out what are they going to do one thing that's small but important to make their sleep that night a little bit more. Feasible, or feel a little bit more realistic, or even reduce their anxiety about it.、Um, the、uh, overall message is that any step can matter, even if it's a small step, because big changes are all made of many, many small changes.、Mm, definitely, definitely. 
Wow, that sounds very powerful intervention, and、uh, I'm so curious about that. Hopefully, in your book, and you will like explain more. And anyone、yeah. listening who are interested should、uh, go to check out Dr. Schleiser's book, right? And、uh, I used to work in hospital systems, and in hospitals, I think I feel exactly what you mentioned. Every time I see a patient coming in, I feel like that's possibly the last time I'm gonna see them. I worked、right. in Kaiser Permanente. I don't know whether how how many East Coast people know that, but in California、oh, they I, have. This, I know it well. <laughs> yeah, so they have the strikes all the time because a lot of clinicians feel like I don't have enough time to see my clients, to see my patients, and you know we see them once. Next session, long waiting list. They have to wait for three months to come in for the second session. It's just not how we do therapy, and、uh, so that's why a lot of time we see someone feels like that's the last time they never come back, or next time they come back, it's already a long time, and we have to restart. And I feel like in those kind of settings, and also primary care settings, this kind of single session therapy or consultation gonna be so helpful. Absolutely, and that's really what these interventions are built for. Are these settings where, whether we like it or not, single sessions are going to happen, yeah. <laughs> and we need to know how we can make the best use of that time without having to rely on treatments that were designed to last three to four months.、Um, so, a lot of the single session work is breaking those longer term therapies down to their kernels, their component parts. And making sure that even if you're only interacting with someone once, they come away with、uh, a, a new set of, or a, just a new singular skill, a new way of thinking about their difficulties, or a new hope that change is possible for them in the future.、Um, and hopefully, that initial shift in them can spur longer-term change. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, what got you into this、um, field to get interested in developing this single session treatment? This is a very unique、yeah. direction. So it's funny because everyone assumes that there's not been any research on this before because nobody's heard of single session approaches. But in fact, this has been going on since the early 1990s. And it's funny you、oh. mentioned Kaiser Permanente, the、uh-huh. first ever study of single session therapy, was conducted through Kaiser. Um, in the early nineties,、wow. um, and、uh, it was actually an accidental single session study. The the、uh, leads on the study were experimenting with just seeing、uh, if people wanted more treatment after getting a single session. And in fact, a lot of people, if that single session was targeted to a specific problem and goal that they had, felt like they didn't need more <laughs>、um, after that single session. And that spurred a whole、uh, line of research since、uh, on single session therapies. But personally, I got interested in it、um, out of just frustration. When I was getting my clinical training, I saw over and over again, and I was as I was working with youth and families and community clinics, that folks couldn't come back for a second session even if they wanted it. And I saw families after families not even being able to get into a first session, and the. Tools that I have been given, cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectic behavior therapy, those weren't helping for、mm. the context that people were seeking help in.、Um, they weren't going to match what they actually could practically access. So I started looking into as a researcher. So I started researching what 
is out there in terms of research on what you can do in the first and often last session of treatment um, to actually help instead of just doing an assessment, asking people questions that they probably answered a million times and you know, they, they aren't really helping anybody with the assessments. So as it turned out back in 2017, when I had this question and did a systematic review, there were already 50 randomized controlled trials on single session mental health interventions for young people that had been conducted. And looking at all of them, the evidence overall suggested that they actually were helpful. Um, and that in fact, the effects of single session interventions overall weren't all that different from the effects of multi-session interventions overall. Um, so, uh, the effect sizes were strikingly similar at first. My graduate advisor thought I had made some kind of coding error <laughs> and I needed to go back and check my work because that couldn't possibly be true, but it was. And that got me super excited about figuring out, okay, we know that these single sessions can be helpful, but why and how and for whom, and how can we isolate the most meaningful parts of single session therapies to make sure everyone has access to that? And that's what I've been working on since uh, in my lab, which uh, now we're at Northwestern University, and we're really uh, working hard to figure out how we can make single sessions as helpful as possible for people and as accessible as possible. Mm, wow. I did not realize there's such a long history of uh, research being done. And, yeah. Uh, and sounds like all the research are very promising. In single session, right, if deliver it in a certain way, it can be as effective as long-term therapy. For some people in some circumstances, yes. Um, that's not to say that single sessions should replace anything else. They shouldn't. But they're pieces of a larger puzzle that I think are missing from our mental health system right now. Yeah, yeah. Wow. When you talk about community and teens, children, especially, I heard a lot of colleagues work in the community center. Uh, I know a lot of families, they have difficulties, have access to mental health care because of financial burdens. And when mm -hmm. I worked in Kaiser back then, even, you know, Kaiser as, as an insurance, right, their members, but I definitely had some, I work in the child unit also. So I definitely had some parents came in uh, talking about their financial difficulties and mm. uh, how much copay they're going to have to pay and how difficult it was for them to bring their uh, children in all the time. So I really feel bad for them. And uh, yeah, and th that was not even very good uh, care for them because the team don't get to see the provider often enough when they were in such a crisis. So... I totally feel like the system needs some some extra work. Not surprisingly, why it started in Kaiser. I don't know whether it's the pain being long-lasting or what, but uh, I'm happy there are at least some progress in the field to try to figure out what other things we can do, right? Exactly, exactly. Because the status quo is never going to be enough. What we have currently is never going to fix it. So we have to be creative. And I think single sessions are a really promising pathway uh, to consider and, and integrate if, if we're serious about making a public health difference for people's mental health. Yeah, very meaningful. And then you talk about teenagers and children, and I know that's one of your specialty. I'm curious, when you study and develop this single session approach, have you noticed when we treat 
uh, teenager children versus when we treat adults? Is there anything unique, anything special, like especially important for teenagers or children in this session to help them out? Absolutely. And most of the single session approaches we've developed are specifically for teens because they're such an underserved population with limited flexibility and autonomy and actually seeking out care on their own. They're usually dependent on their parents or caregivers to access care. So we've uh, worked actually with teens uh, as advisors on our single session intervention development approaches to make sure that these interventions are fitting what they want, where they look for treatment, and how they want to engage with support. So for that reason, a lot of the interventions we develop for teens are virtual. They're digital, self-guided single sessions that teens can do anywhere, anytime, on their phones. We've partnered with digital mental health nonprofits and social media companies to embed single sessions that teens can self-guide themselves through directly into social media platforms. Um, So they're offered to teens when they search for terms like suicide or depression. Uh, as alternatives to the triggering content that they might otherwise see. Mm-hmm. And these interventions are honoring things that are really important for teens' development. They're su- su- supporting teens' autonomy. They're allowing teens to explore their own decisions and uh, you know, honor their own self-perceived needs rather mm-hmm. than relying on others uh, to seek out treatment for them. So they're really uh, built to allow teens to take ownership of that decision to seek out something helpful. Uh, They also leverage teens' own experiences. So all of our interventions act in two ways, not just as an opportunity for teens to learn a skill that could be helpful, but also for them to anonymously help others through their own experience coping with depression or anxiety or whatever the problem at hand is. We ask teens to use what they learn in the intervention, the single session intervention, to teach another teen who's struggling How can they use that in their own lives based on your own experience? And so teens are actively helping others in the intervention in addition to helping themselves. And uh, that taps into teens' desire to feel related. Um, Peer relationships and connections are super strongly motivating for adolescents. Um, And it also taps into teens' desire to help, to be pro-social. And so we build the interventions very intentionally to help them uh, allow teens to exert that autonomy and to feel related to others in addition to learning information and skills that might be helpful to them. Mm. Wow, so autonomy and the independence is so important Mm -hmm. to teens. When you mentioned that, I was wondering, yeah, I had the same question. I feel like for teens to self-motivate, right? To to use this kind of a service, it's not easy. It's not easy, um, right? But how ask, to get ask, them? Asking somebody to do something for fifteen minutes is a lot easier than asking them to do something for three months, right? <laughs> um, so yeah. the ask for engaging in one session of of support is so small. It's such a low lift. It's such a low barrier to entry that teens are more open to trying it out because it's not a long-term commitment. They can do it anonymously. Um, We have a lot of our digital single sessions available for free on our lab website for anybody to try uh, whenever they want. Um, And teens are much more willing to do something if they can do it on their own terms once 
and decide for themselves whether they want to keep going. Mm. Um, so all of the single sessions that we have can be completed multiple times. If somebody wants to, they can make new action plans every time uh, or just once. So it's designed to be sort of a one at a time mode of support. So it's still not easy to get teens to do stuff, but it's a whole lot easier when what you're asking them to do is so much lighter touch than what typical therapy would ask them to do. Right, right. And this lighter touch, I feel like it's a trend because other than people with severe mental disorders, there are also a lot of people, they start noticing some symptoms, they're still early stage, right. um, and they may either not have access to the care or they are not sure they want to seek the care. And, yeah. But they, they are like, they just need this kind of lighter touch. Yeah, exactly. Uh Mm -hmm. And that's exactly why we've worked with these online uh, organizations, nonprofits, companies Mm -hmm. to integrate single session digital interventions in places that are outside of healthcare systems. So they're catching people who aren't necessarily seeking formal treatment, maybe because they don't think it's serious enough or they're just not ready or there's stigma, whatever the reason, but still offering them something when they express moments of, of need or, or distress online. Mm-hmm. So when they search for something related to therapy or suicide on Tumblr, for example, that's one of the social media platforms we've worked with before, um, they're offered a brief intervention rather than a bunch of triggering content. Mm-hmm. And that can divert people uh, to help them approach opportunities for upward spirals of coping rather than downward spirals of ruminating on right. uh, on those platforms. Oh, that's so important. And I think that's very meaningful to collaborate with those big platforms. I mm-hmm. did hear, hear the trend, you know, a lot of... Uh, um, a lot of famous TikTokers or all those like, you know, social media influencers, they are talking about all kinds of weird stuff. Okay, <laughs> no, no evidence behind it. It's their, yeah. they're sharing their personal experience. Uh, they may not meant to cause harm, but I think depends on what the content is. It definitely yeah. impacts some teenagers negatively. <laughs> You know, it's it's the Wild West in terms of uh, <laughs> what is out there on social media platforms in terms of mental health information or misinformation. Mm-hmm. And I hear a lot of scientists and psychologists very upset about this, and uh, rightfully so. It's, it's distressing. Right. But they're also not really doing anything about it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I, I do think that uh, if psychologists and, and scientists, too, are, are serious about addressing this in a meaningful way, they have to collaborate with the organizations that are able to have this kind of reach. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the reasons our, our lab prioritizes these partnerships with nonprofits, uh, digital mental health companies, uh, other organizations, because without that cross-sector collaboration and integration of evidence-based practices into sort of systems outside of traditional healthcare, we're never going to be able to address this problem. Um, so it's it's a tough hill to climb, but I hope uh, more scientists and psychologists embrace this reality that we have to partner 
with these with these organizations in, in order for our science to get out there and for our uh, interventions to get out there. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's great that you are able to offer uh, and start this journey and offer something on your website for free for people to try. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, yeah. that's a, a additional resource for some mm-hmm. people. Absolutely. Hmm. So, what do you see the next step for this? How to you know spread this out, and uh, will this go more to the medical field or more like online, combined with yeah. AI in the future? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, AI is a whole different podcast topic, probably. <laughs> uh, but in terms of next steps for single session interventions, we have evidence from our lab for the last five years. We've uh, reached more than 50,000 people with our digital single session interventions. We have a lot of evidence that they're helpful. So the next step now is figuring out dissemination and sustainability and implementation. And I see that as a two path future. One is dissemination and sustainability outside of traditional health systems, online in schools and other extra healthcare settings. And the other path is within healthcare settings. So on outpatient waiting lists, uh, in primary care clinics, integrated behavioral health, uh, in emergency departments, in um, other kinds of healthcare contexts where there are consultation services offered and you're really only seeing somebody once. So I think partnership across the board, across sectors, and figuring out how to systematically tailor SSIs to be easy to implement in all of these different settings is going to be crucial. And that's the work our lab is aiming to do at this point. Mm. But I also think it's a training issue. I never once mm. heard the term single session interventions as a graduate student. Um, I, I don't think it's discussed <laughs> in, uh, in training programs for any kind of therapist. And I think that's a big disservice because it's a tool that folks can have in addition to other forms of multi-session and longer term support to treat people who are unlikely to be able to return. Um, So for for therapists who are occasionally practicing in primary care or emergency departments or inpatient settings, why not use a single session approach uh, in in that context? So I think there's a a need for more training and there's a need for more research on implementation um, across different uh, sectors of folks who want to make a public health dent in, in mental health problems. Yeah, great directions and very important directions. And definitely, I, I never heard about single session intervention um, in my training, but I definitely witnessed a lot of strong, impressive intake sessions Mm-hmm. Uh, when I shadow some of my supervisors back then, especially in hospitals, I I don't know whether it's a hospital thing, because um, through working in hospital, we all train ourselves to have very strong intake session because we always see a patient thinking about maybe this is the last time I'm going to see yeah. them, the first time and the last time, right? Yeah. And what we're going to do. Um, so yeah. now when I train my team my, in my own clinic, I sometimes tell them the same thing, but many of them don't have experience working in hospitals. So I think this is a very new concept 
to them. The other thing, mm-hmm. well, outpatient clinic, you know, you get to see a person ongoing for a while. So the intake session is just, oh, I passively listen to you. Okay, okay, I get it. Let's start treatment next session. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I sometimes tell them, you, you should really rethink about this. <laughs> what, yeah. what if this is the last time you see them? You need to think about how to design this session. What are you able to deliver not necessarily throughout a lot of coping strategies? Maybe not that, but you right. know, cognitively, hope, yes, and exactly. other things, right? Exactly. Like sometimes I even and myself, I like to even do a little case formulation at the end of the intake session, and to help them identify certain things. So I think that's important, even though I never heard about a single session. Um, treatment but when when i read about what you're doing i was like wow this totally makes sense this is so cool someone is really doing this <laughs> yeah and it sounds like you've been thinking like a single session therapist for a while <laughs> without calling it that which is awesome but yeah i i once had a supervisor in graduate school who said the goal of the first session is to get them to come to the second session and that makes sense on its face but what if they don't come to the second session? Right. <laughs> and it's not because they didn't want to. It's just because they couldn't. And that happens all the time. So in my mind, the first session isn't, the, the goal isn't to get somebody to come back. It's to make sure that you help them even if they don't. Mm-hmm. And when they're helped in that first session, that has the added benefit of increasing their receptivity to coming back in the future. Exactly. So I think... The goal really explicitly shouldn't be try to get them to come back. It should be try to get them to feel like they got something out of this right? because that will benefit them now and hopefully in the future. Yeah. Oh, I love that approach. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I think when you talk about training exactly as a therapist, what, how we should think about this ourselves and that's going to guide our behaviors. And uh, I think in different settings, there's different things. Like in my setting right now, it's not hard for people to come back. And because a lot of people are able to afford it or they have, you know, those kind of employee benefit program. Um, So financially, at least it's taken care of, even though, you know, other things in life could happen. So a lot of time people, I do notice people are thinking about how to get them back. Uh, not really for money-wise, but it's more like they need treatment. So I hope they're going to come yeah. back. Yeah, right? and that first session isn't seen as treatment yet, but it could be. Right. And, you know, I think if it's a very strong uh, delivered, strongly delivered, very useful first session, of course, like you said, they're gonna, the client's going to increase their chance. They want to come back. Why not? Because mm-hmm. they get something out. Once they have the opportunity, they will come back, right? right. Or at least they, they, even if they don't come back to this therapist, they have a good impression of mental health treatment. So yeah. once they have opportunities in the future, they will be open to seek mental health intervention. I think that's very long-termly, that's a very good thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of people come out of that first session feeling like, wow, they just asked me a bunch of questions. They didn't help me at all. And they don't come back (laughs) (laughs) because they're frustrated because all they did was assessment. 
So they're going to have a bad memory and a bad impression of mental health services, of not being really centered around helping them if they don't come back. Um, so I, I do think it's a really important shift. It could have real consequences for people both who can and can't come to future sessions of therapy. Yeah, yeah, single session therapy feels like that's uh that's what we need to pay more attention to, and hopefully、mm-hmm. you will be able to um get it out to more field in whatever、yeah. within or outside of a、uh, healthcare system. <laughs> That was certainly the idea behind writing this book. <laughs> I wanted more people to be able to know about it, so I'm, I'm hopeful there's change ahead. Yes, great. So、um, your book can come out very soon at、uh, the end of January in this year. So where people can find it? So little treatments, big effects is the title. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, any major book retailer. It'll be there.、Um, So Amazon's probably the easiest place to find it, but it should be deliverable really quickly.、Mm, great, yeah. And if、uh, our listeners want to try the your website, your lab website, that free、uh, little、yeah. resource, how can they find Absolutely. you? Absolutely. So first of all, in the book, there are a bunch of self guided exercises that are drawn from our single session interventions that anybody can complete within the book themselves. And on our website, it's www. dot schleiderlab dot org slash yes、um, yes stands for youth empowerment and support it's our online adolescent self help platform that we make available to folks based on our、uh, SSI single session interventions that have been through randomized trials wow that's awesome such a great resource I will make sure to put all this including your book to our show note、uh, so. Everyone listening or watching later this on YouTube, and they are interested in your book, they can go there to find it and read it. I'm definitely curious, and I will make sure to check it out. Wonderful, thanks. Yeah. So, any last wisdom you want to share with everyone who are listening, and、uh, you know, maybe going through some challenges here and there in life? I like to reflect on the true fact that. Any moment can matter in shifting your trajectory a little bit. So when I personally feel stuck, which of course we all do at times, I do all the time,、mm-hmm. uh, and really feel like things are difficult and not going how I want them to, I, I, I do take a lot of solace in the fact that every single moment is an opportunity for a small change that could make a bigger change later on. And that's really comforting to remember,、uh, and really nice to re- even reflect on times when a moment in your life has mattered more than you expected it to. Because everyone has those turning points、uh, that I find they are able to recall. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, transformation, baby steps, little moments.、Mm, appreciate those little moments in life. Mm-hmm. Great! Thank you so much, Dr. Schleider, for sharing this new book and this wonderful research to us. I think this is a very hopeful resource, and、uh, I'm very excited to hear about that. And hopefully, some of our listeners feel the same way too. My pleasure. Thanks again for having me. So, what do you think about single session therapy after today's conversation? Leave a message and let me know. I will put a video version of this on my YouTube channel, Deep Into Sleep Podcast. 
If you want to learn more about mental health, sleep health, you can also subscribe our email newsletter at mindbodygarden.com/sleep. Thank you for watching and listening. I'm Dr. Yishen. I will see you next time. Bye. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk, and our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed.